Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. If you know you want to do something, like put it out into the world, tell people you know, make it real, because if it's just in your own head and you never say it out loud, I think that makes it very difficult to act upon it because there's going to be so much resistance that comes the other way when you say you want to do something crazy. So the more you announce it to everyone you know, the less crazy it is and the more you're like, this is just something that I'm going to do. That was Steph Wagner. You'll hear from her today along with her fiance, Dalt. And there she was talking about getting that accountability. So key. And today... You're going to hear about the real journey. What happens when people decide to do the digital nomad thing? They take off to Chiang Mai, Thailand, which is one of those digital nomad hotspots, and they, they start doing it. What, what is the reality of that? You're going to hear it today. The real journey, the real struggles, and was it magical? Was it maddening? The answer may surprise you along the way. You'll get tips about working from Asia while being time zone dependent, advice for dealing with health issues in a foreign country with a language barrier, and much more. It's the real deal on Digital Nomad Life here on the Zero to Travel podcast today. Welcome, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, for being a community member. I haven't said it in a while, but this is a community-powered show. Always has been, always will be. And I invite you to get in touch. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. My email, you can always leave me a voicemail. Sign up for the newsletter at ZeroToTravel.com slash newsletter to keep in touch over there. Thinking about... All of the ways you can travel, and one of those ways that a lot of people aspire to or just jump into at times is this digital nomad lifestyle or long-term travel, working while you're traveling. We talk about it a lot in the show, and it's so fun to just highlight a real story of a couple that did just that. They had the dream, they, they figured it out, and they took off. What is the reality of that, though? You may be wondering. Well, you're going to hear about it today in this episode. And I'm going to wrap it up with a nice quote 
to remind us all of the possibilities of each day. But please enjoy just a story about kickstarting a nomadic journey and how, how that went for Stefan Dalt and what that is like in reality, on the ground. Did it match up to the expectations? Certainly try to pull out some valuable lessons along the way throughout the conversation. So please enjoy. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. I can't remember the last time we recorded together what the date was, in fact. Do you guys know? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. It's been a whirlwind since then. It's been a lot of months. At least at least seven, <laughs> seven months or so, probably. Not, not seven, <laughs> maybe like five. Okay. <laughs> because you guys invited me on your podcast then. You have a podcast, but it's been changed. We, we don't right? really have a podcast anymore. I mean, we, we definitely... It's not active. You'll see like an episode on there, but if you click it, it says you can't click it. Yeah. Yeah. So not really. It's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, but when we last talked, you guys were fairly fresh into your nomadic journey, right? Like you were living in Thailand. I think you were working some crazy hours and doing the whole thing. So, I mean, we got a lot to talk about today. So I should formally say, Steph and Dalt, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. It's wonderful Woo-hoo. to have you here. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Yeah. So, well, I'm excited to have you. You originally reached out and you'd been listening to the show for a while and had gone on your own bit of a nomadic kind of journey, dreaming about it and then eventually figuring it out. And I always find these stories inspirational because everybody's got their sort of their own path and their own struggles. Uh, yet I feel like a lot of these things people can relate to. So, I mean, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened when you were on the road and I'm sure you guys learned a bunch of lessons. So I'm not even sure where to start, which is like a bad thing to say when you're sort of quote unquote in charge of the show, just going back from the beginning in terms of like wanting to even become nomadic and do that whole thing. Where did that come from? For, was that both of you guys or? Nope. That was all me. Okay. Yeah. So it all began. <laughs> um, yeah. When did it all begin? Honestly, it began way, way, way back when I was about 15 years old um, and listening to your podcast, Jason. I, well, I, I might've started listening to your podcast a little bit later than that, but I had this dream of being nomadic since a really young age. And around the time of college, I found your podcast and I listened to it religiously every single day on my drive from work to college and then from college home. And I just knew that one day I had to become nomadic. I didn't know how, um, I didn't know when, but I knew that I had to do it. And I knew that I wanted to start in Thailand. Okay. Why Thailand? That's a great question. Um, I think mm-hmm. I was a Thai princess in a past life because <laughs> I have no idea where um, the idea for Thailand came from. I asked my whole family, I'm like, did I see a movie when I was like a kid that had Thailand in it? And they're like, no, I don't think so. No one knows where that infatuation came from. But I just always pictured myself living there and 
yeah, just being amongst the the rainforest. <laughs> and, and by the way, she told me that on literally our second date over coffee. Um, <laughs> we had just went salsa dancing the night before that. Yes, that's how we met. And um, <laughs> we're sitting down drinking coffee. And she was like, hey, um, I have to leave. I have to get out of here. And we were in Arizona. And I was like, okay, well, I literally just moved here about five months ago. Um, what do you mean leave? You want to maybe go to a different state? She's like, I want to move to Thailand. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Um, okay. And so I didn't really take her that seriously at first. I mean, I did take her seriously. That's not what I meant. What I meant Ouch. was like, like life happens and, you know, things that are said and thoughts that are had kind of get swept under the rug, especially like, you know, years later, we ended up buying a house and moving from Arizona to Oregon. And I thought, okay, like this probably will never happen. And um, well, it still did. You can't stop me. <laughs> can't stop her. <laughs> you guys met salsa dancing, huh? We did. Yeah, yeah she was the best on the dance floor. Obviously. No doubt. Um, it was a free salsa <laughs> dancing lesson. And uh, you were supposed to switch partners every round. And we finally got to dance with each other. It was a wondrous thing. And we didn't end up switching partners for the rest of the night. The rest is yeah. history. You're like, we're not going to follow the rules. We're just right. <laughs> no. Rule breakers, Chase. Going. <laughs> well, Dalt, why did you move to Arizona? I moved to Arizona from New York City because I was performing Shakespeare there um, and going back and forth between New York City and Boston. And after doing that for like maybe five or six years, I really got burnt out and honestly a little bit bored. And so I've always been a guy who's just willing to uplift his life and move to another state, never another country, <laughs> but another state. And um, this was just one of those times in my lives, in my life where my dad was like, hey, come to Arizona. And I was like, what's in Arizona? Tumbleweeds and what? Um, and little did I know the state is gorgeous. And I moved there just to check it out for a week. And I ended up moving there, uh, what I thought would be permanently until I met this lovely lass. That's right. Yeah. So you were an actor studying, you, you like studying acting, pursue acting? Well, yes. Um, <laughs> my story is a little wackadoodle just because I feel like I've always been, I've always had uh, a foot in two pools where uh, I was a wrestler in high school and I got a wrestling scholarship to wrestle D1. And so I was in this very hyper sort of masculine world of wrestlers. And then simultaneously, I really liked being on stage and performing um, and so <laughs> I would hang out with the wrestlers and then I would go hang out with my theater friends, very different vibe. And, uh, I, I was, man, I was always like, I just don't understand why we can't all just go be brutish, beat the hell out of each other, bleed a little bit, then go home, shower, put on some makeup and a dress and go out dancing. Like, why can't we just do all of it? You know? Um, and it was really hard to find like people that wanted to just like simultaneously be in both worlds. But I ended up choosing uh, the theater world uh, and quitting wrestling and uh, moving to New York City and just just starting. And it was wow. a wild ride. OK, I mean, because quitting, does that mean you lost your scholarship and everything? I like did. That? Yeah, okay. I just that's quit. a pretty major decision. Yeah, it was big, especially when I told my parents and I was like, hey, I'm going to lose my scholarship and I'm going to just move to the city and start performing Shakespeare. They were like, <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I love you, man. But uh, why? <laughs> I was like, 
because I just got to do it. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty bold choice, I would say. It's a lot to give up, of course, but uh, it sounds like you were, you are the type of person, I guess, to follow your passion and see, see where it takes you. Yeah. I always just believed in like wholeheartedly doing something. Like if you are going to decide to do something, just lean a hundred percent into it. Otherwise you'll never actually know if you really enjoyed that lifestyle. So it's like, for me, you know, taking the wrestling scholarship and embedding myself in that world, I know a hundred percent now, however many years later that like, that wasn't really who I was meant to be. Then leaning into the the world of acting and being in New York City and performing years later, I know that that's probably a lifestyle that I, you know, couldn't really sustain for the entirety of my life. And so every single iteration of myself, I've there, they've come and gone and I've learned whether or not that's going to be sustainable for me or not. And so it's always just been so useful in my life to do that and see where I end up. Mm -hmm. mm. It's been a while since I've done a nice sprawl. Uh, I, I wrestled for a couple of years in junior high. I got twisted up like a pretzel. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. I Jason. still remember how to do a figure four leg lock, though. Oh, wait a minute. That's never mind. That's, that's <laughs> professional wrestling. We could, we could, uh, we could, you and I could roll around a little bit, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna just gonna take that clip and put it at the front of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, did you grow up in Arizona? Because I know you mentioned you had family there because that's where you guys are right now, correct? Yep, that's where we are okay. now. And I did. I was born and raised in Arizona. And, you know, no hate to Arizona, but I, I've lived here my whole life. So I just knew that I wanted to do something else and not be one of those people who just was born and raised in one city, one state, and stayed there forever and never got to experience living in another part of the country or another part of the world. Um, and then listening to your podcast really solidified that for me. I was hearing all these epic stories of people, you know, traveling around and getting to embed themselves in different cultures. And I'm like, I will be one of those people one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just writing about something today in this idea of I feel like it's always better to go and have the experience and at least learn if you don't like it or not like even if you don't like it at least you know you don't like it instead of you know wondering about it for the rest of your life I and totally agree if you know in your heart of hearts like even just wanting to leave the state or whatever even even if you're not traveling abroad I mean it's it's a uh, it's hard to walk around with that longing and not act on it so for you guys to get on the same page and go to Thailand and actually fulfill your dream, what, what did that look like as a, individuals and as a couple, I guess? Well, it took a lot of convincing, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> did it? Okay. Which, well, maybe you can give us some tips on how to facilitate those conversations because there might be some people listening who, mm -hmm. who need that advice. Absolutely. My first piece of advice is to plant the seed very early, which he mentioned. Like on I the did. second date? On the second date. <laughs> <laughs> I think that worked to my advantage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're like, I told you this before, dude. Yeah, like you knew like, what you're getting into. Exactly. I could, I could always come back to that and say, I told you. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> From day one. It's true. Yeah. And she did. I did. Yeah. So that's, that's my first piece of advice is just, if you know you want to do something, like put it out into the world, 
tell people you know, make it real, because if it's just in your own head and you never say it out loud, I think that makes it very difficult to act upon it because there's going to be so much resistance that comes the other way when you say you want to do something crazy. So the more you announce it to everyone you know, the less crazy it is and the more you're like, this is just something that I'm going to do. And then people kind of hold you accountable for it. So yeah, I told Dalton at the very beginning of our relationship, I wanted to do it. Like he mentioned, we ended up moving to Oregon and for a a job opportunity Dalton got. And when we were there, we bought a house and we became like very settled. And that's when I really started going nuts. And I was like, this cannot be. I'm like, no, no, we, we cannot settle down and buy a house and work nine to five jobs and never leave the country. No, no, no. (laughs) So I started getting really antsy. And um, I guess my second piece of advice would be never let it go. (laughs) I would bring it up all the time. Like anytime we were watching a show, uh, Chef's Table, one of my favorite shows, anytime we were watching a show where people were in a different country, I'm like, wow, look how amazing it looks to experience a different (laughs) culture. That would be so cool. (laughs) Or anytime we met someone who would just come back from abroad, I would just ask them a billion questions and make sure I told Dalton the whole conversation of how much they loved living abroad. (laughs) And it was just like constant convincing of how incredible it would be to be nomadic. So how long was it between the time you guys, you got the job, you went to Oregon, you settled down using your words, and then to the time that you actually left and did the thing? So. We had been dating for about two years in Arizona. Then when we moved to Oregon, we lived there for about a year and a half before we moved. Yeah. So it was like three and a half years total of convincing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Dalt, you're not anti-travel, are you? I mean, you just just preferred the kind of... You you enjoyed the lifestyle that you had, I guess. Is that why it took convincing or... Yeah, I guess when Steph and I first met... um, we were at very different places because because I was performing Shakespeare, I had the opportunity to do a couple national tours and I was able to really travel all around the United States. And I think that really uh, quenched my thirst for travel. I had no interest or reason to leave the country at the time that we met. And so I was actually moving to Arizona to sort of settle. And then I meet this girl who hasn't left her home state yet. And so we're at way different ends of the spectrum. And when I finally clocked that she was really serious and this was a deeply embedded passion of hers, um, I kind of pocketed it. I, I knew that this was something that if I was going to continue to be serious about Steph, it was definitely not something to ignore. Like if I had any advice for anyone who's in a relationship with somebody who's like, hey, I really want to do this thing. Like, listen, you do not want to be that 70 year old bitter couple that's, you know, shuffling around in your slippers. And like the woman always has this sourpuss face because she's just like, we never went to Paris and you get blamed your entire life. (laughs) You know, you're just trying to watch the football game. You're in your leather back chair and you're just trying to have a good time. And she keeps nagging you about Paris. And now you don't have the strength in your thighs to get up and actually get on that plane and go to Paris. You don't want to be that couple. And so, I just knew that this was something Steph 
had to do. And if I was going to be with this woman, um, I had to honor that. Whether we moved there for a year or five years, it didn't matter. We had to go. And that meant for me, once again, picking up everything and moving. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, we sold everything and we we left. Were you in Ashland by any chance? Because I've been to the Shakespeare Festival there. Oh, my gosh. We were really close to that. We were in this tiny little town right across the mountain from Ashland called Klamath Falls. Yeah. Okay. Is that why you moved there? Was it for the festival and the whole Shakespeare scene or? No, no that was just random. I actually. Because I, I connected the Shakespeare with the Ashland thing. No, it's impressive like, oh, that right. you did though. Yeah. Yeah. We actually never even got around to see the the Ashland Shakespeare Festival because it was closed for COVID when we were there. Um, but no, I actually got a, a corporate job. I was trying out that lifestyle. And <laughs> uh, the reason why we moved from Arizona to Oregon was because I was trying out corporate. I was doing well at it. And so I got a promotion in Oregon. And so we we just took the leap and <laughs> bought a house. We had never lived with each other. We just bought a house. Again, just one of those leaps of faith. And we did it. Just did the thing. Yeah. Okay. So then you sold it and sold everything. Did you sell the house? Sell, sold everything and left? Or We actually didn't sell the house, thankfully, because it's such a cute house. And we, although we never plan on living in Klamath Falls again, we really love the house. And we're like, it'd be fun to vacation there once in a while. But we are renting it out to two really cute college girls who are taking great care of it, hopefully. We think. Um, <laughs> And we did sell everything else that we sold both of our cars. We sold all of my crap that I had acquired over my whole so life. So much crap. So much stuff. A lot of clothes. It was ridiculous. Um, six yard sales later. I yeah. mean, six, like every weekend we were pumping out these yard sales, trying That's desperately true. to sell Steph's stuff. And there was a couple things of yours. <laughs> a couple. Yeah. Yeah. There were. There were. It was mostly my stuff. So yeah, we, we did sell everything except for the house. And people were looking at us with some weird eyes. They were like, guys, you really just doing this? Because we announced we were moving to Thailand and everyone sort of was just like, They're like, why? You, okay. you have a house? Like, what are you doing? And when we really started selling everything <laughs> and we actually had a date, you know, we bought our plane tickets, people started taking it really seriously. And they, a lot of them really couldn't understand why at the time, but whatever. Shout out to the... Uh... To the two girls in your house listening to this who are doing beer bongs on your couch. <laughs> they probably <Yeah>. are. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> we'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big! With the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card, visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. 
This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there. And that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself. And that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. So you guys go to Thailand. All of this is kind of setting up the next question, which is the ideas of like how magical life's going to be and versus like, okay, now you're there. It's, let's say, the first you know three weeks. <laughs> what, <laughs> what is that like? That's a fantastic question. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Really? It was okay. awful, Dan. Really? Wow. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. not what I expected. <laughs> Probably not what you expected either, Steph. No. I was like, oh, dear. Thailand was amazing. But we both <laughs> got so sick as soon as we got there. And we're sick for the first like two and a half weeks of our trip, which the first leg of our trip, um, we had to fly into Bangkok, obviously. So we were in Bangkok and we were only supposed to stay in Bangkok for 10 days. And I wanted Dalton because I had been to Thailand actually back in 2018, which is how when I like secured in my brain, yes, I want to live there one day. I love this place. So I wanted Dalton to have like just a tiny bit of Bangkok experience before we moved up to Chiang Mai, like long term. So we get there and like the second day, both of us are just deathly ill. <laughs> we could not go out and see anything. There was still a lot of stuff that was closed anyway um, in Bangkok because of COVID. It was also in the middle of the summer, so it was really hot. And we just were not having a good time. It was also rainy season. And let me tell everybody oh, yeah. something. When, when they say it's rainy season, that's not a joke. It means it rains. And we didn't take that seriously enough. Like it rains five, six days a week, torrential downpour. So like Steph and I are in this like 250 square foot box of a room, sick as dogs with just torrential downpour nonstop. And we were just like, yay, we sold everything. This is, this is, this is great. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm still trying to convince Dalton that like, this is going to be amazing. I'm like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Did it get amazing? Yes. For you? It did get amazing. Um, it did. It did get amazing. <laughs> once we got out of Bangkok and once we once we got a little healthier, because even after that initial uh, bug, whatever it was, we started to heal. And um, like two days after, Steffi felt great. And I got another stomach bug. I got so sick again. 
was having fever-induced visions. I was seeing stuff. I was telling Steph that the front desk person was going to steal her away, so not to go get the keys. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was a wild ride. Um, but <laughs> once we actually got out of Bangkok and got healthier and moved to Chiang Mai, that was the ticket. That's when the magic began. Chiang Mai is magical. Yeah, I mean, talk. I mean, that's a we can say that's a, a nomad hotspot. I guess I would say so. It's a. I haven't been there in a long time, not since it's become a hotspot, but I could imagine that you can pretty easily incorporate yourself into the sort of expat digital nomad bubble, but uh, there's also the the town itself and everything like that. I don't know how long you guys were there. Maybe you can break it down a bit and I guess share a little bit about your experience there for anybody listening that may be interested in in that one or like visiting one of these other nomad hotspots. Like what's the vibe like? What are the good, the, what's the good, the bad and the ugly? Absolutely. I would say if anyone's looking into Chiang Mai, just go and try it out because everyone we met that was living there was just as in love with it as I knew that we would be. Um, and I remember back when I was there in 2018, uh, everyone that lived there at that time also, same thing, like just nothing but good things all around that you hear from other expats and even other locals. So I had this vision in my head of like, this is going to be a really magical experience. We're going to slide right into the community. It's going to be perfect. And overall, I think those expectations were met. Um, as soon as we got to Chiang Mai, like he said, we were healthy. We were able to just explore every day. We very quickly got a motorbike. Um, Dalton had been, uh, Dalton had driven motorbikes back in high school. And I thought I had this vision of both of us like driving on motorbikes. And no, I, as soon as we got there, I tried to drive one and I almost crashed it in the parking lot leaving. <laughs> yeah, I had experienced so many motorbike injuries in uh, oh my God. Asia. She was she was lucky that, you know, my old uh my old experience on the Saybrook Ducklings gang, moped gang came into play from high school. Uh, shout out to old Saybrook where I grew up. Saybrook Ducklings. I know you're all listening. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thankfully he was good at driving them because uh we we didn't let me drive after that first day um so Dalton drove me around everywhere which was fantastic I got to be the little tourist on the back <laughs> of the moped the whole time um yeah it's just there's really good vibes in Chiang Mai everyone that lives there is very all the locals that live there are very friendly to tourists. They're very friendly to expats. I think they just know that it's like it's all a very integrated community now. Yeah. And we were there for, I think, a total of six or seven months. And mm -hmm. what struck me about Chiang Mai was I've spent a lot of time in New York City and Boston and Phoenix. And to me, I've never actually enjoyed the city that much because it's very industrial. It's very gray. It's it's very concrete. And um and so when Steph was like, hey, let's let's go to Chiang Mai, let's go to Bangkok, I was not that excited because I was really looking to get out of the city. And Bangkok was the same exact feel. It was like the the Asian New York City. So I did not like it at all in terms of the energetic vibe. It's really chaotic. And she was like, no, 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 Chiang Mai is going to be different. I promise you. And I, I was like, I just don't I just don't know how. I mean, it's another city. Right. And we move there and it is, it's actually the, without a doubt, the most unique city I've ever been to because I've never been in a city where they integrate 
the city vibe with this lush green forest at the same time. So like you can be in the heart of Chiang Mai and then 10 minutes later you are in this bustling forest with Jungle. massive centipedes and and you know uh, beetles and it's just kind of a wild experience to be able to have both of those simultaneously so close to you. And that's what struck me about Chiang Mai and I think it strikes a lot of people. It's very cool. Yeah, it's true. Like one minute you're in your high-rise apartment overlooking this like giant, very modern mall and all of these cute coffee shops and stuff. And then five minutes down the road, you can be in the middle of the jungle with, yeah, just greenery everywhere. So we we loved that. We had a lot of fun doing both and having kind of the best of both worlds. So at that time, I mean, I know you were there for, what you said, six or seven months. Were you guys... Was the intention, let's say, beginning partway through to kind of just like there was no sort of end date? You were just going to stay there, maybe travel to another city next? And did that change over time? I, I guess what kind of I'm, I'm looking for here is what the daily life was like and what kind of the intention was and if that fed into some of your, your decisions later. Because I, I mean, I have come across people who have gone on these very open-ended things, but then because they felt like, you know, they couldn't make it work financially or they didn't have, they didn't feel like they had a purpose. It ended up being not very fulfilling. Everybody has their own unique experience. And I think some of the things that play into that is sort of where your mind's at in terms of like how committed you are to a certain lifestyle. So I guess I'm just wondering, yeah, how committed were you guys to this sort of open-ended thing? How did things change if they did? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll try to hit it all from like what our daily life looked like and and our intention as well. Like in the in the beginning, we were we were set on traveling until X date. We really did not have a return time, and our intention was to be in Chiang Mai for a year and then move to Europe. Um, and the reason why we felt we could do that is because buying a house for us actually ended up being a really, really smart move because when we rented it out, and I'm happy to just give out very specific numbers so that people can can also do the same if they're trying to budget and do something like this. Steph and I make about $1,000 a month off of that rental. And so we were splitting it 50-50. Um, in, in Chiang Mai, that is a lot. If you're just looking to, you know, spend $15 a day, $20 a day on food, because um, our rent was about, what, $400 a month? $400 a month, which included everything. And it was a sweet apartment, like with an infinity pool. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's very, very affordable. And just having that income on a monthly basis gave us the extra confidence to just, just go all in. Um and so <laughs> what our daily life looked like was we were podcasting at the time. And so we were often recording on a daily basis. And the rest of the day was really just exploring, like doing whatever we wanted to do, whether it was taking hikes, exploring the city of Chiang Mai, trying out different food places. Like it was a very, very relaxed, luxurious lifestyle. We were um, basically retired. It was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we were. We were. It felt that way. Mm -hmm. um, and things were going really, really well, other than this one particular thing, which ultimately made us leave Chiang Mai and, and unfortunately cut our travel journey real early. 
Yeah. Well, can you guys talk about that? I mean, what? Absolutely. What yeah. And I can get as far into this as you want. I have no shame <laughs> about <laughs> really anything. But it, um, uh, I had a bit of a health scare when we were in Chiang Mai, um, which is really, yeah, like he said, the only reason we left, because if I didn't have any sort of health troubles, I think we would still be there. Um yeah, it was just, it was a good place to live. It's such an easy place to live. So where do I begin with this health story? I'm like, there's so much to say. Um, we'll start, I think start back maybe in Oregon because you were having difficulties there. And for whatever reason, moving to Asia really exacerbated the the symptoms or what, what yeah. you were experiencing. Okay. So back in Oregon. <laughs> I've had digestive issues and like stomach problems for as long as I can remember, even before Oregon. But when we were living in Oregon, they got pretty bad um, to the point of slight concern um, where I wouldn't be able to go to the bathroom for like a week at a time. And it was just very uncomfortable. Everything I ate, I was super bloated all the time. I just, I felt uncomfortable. Um, my energy levels were really low and I'm like, I'm a very healthy person. I'm an active person. What is wrong with me? Like, why is this happening? Um, so yeah, there was a point there where it would be like a week without me going to the bathroom. But when we moved to Thailand, within a week of being there, I noticed every single stomach issue get 20 times worse. And I don't know if it was because of the food, if water, just environment of not being around familiar things, adding extra stress. We still don't know like what made it so much worse, but I was a wreck internally. Like my, I looked six months pregnant at all times, no matter what I ate. Um, I was trying everything just to use the restroom like a normal person. And when it got really bad in Thailand, when we had to go to the hospital first time, for the first time, it had been, I think, nine days without me using the restroom at all. And I was so miserable that I was just like crying my eyes out in the bathroom. And I'm like, Dalton, I'm so sorry you have to deal with this. But like, I, I need to tell you what's been going on. I like, I need, I need, to seek medical help. So that was in, that was right when we had gone to Chiang Mai, like the first, within the first week of being in Chiang Mai when we went to the hospital for the first time. And we were super naive. That's so scary. It was scary. Like we, I don't know what we expected. You know, we were going to a hospital in Asia and maybe our preconceived notions of an Asian hospital were going to be drastically different from that of a Western hospital, but um, they weren't. It was really an interesting experience on our end to go to a hospital and, and think that they were going to apply different practices. Um, and it was it was almost like we were in an American hospital just with less less spoken English. Yeah, which to some extent was good because... Um, like anyone who has any fears about the medical system in other countries, I would say don't don't be scared of that because it was honestly better, <laughs> in my opinion, than American hospitals. Um, way, way cheaper. The doctors were just as knowledgeable. But where it came into play being like an issue was that I just couldn't speak their language. So that was troublesome. 
Um, and none of the doctors really spoke good English enough to that they could communicate with me, but that was about it um, on a very basic level. So moving the story forward, we went to the hospital first time. They had to give me some treatments and stuff so that I could, you know, help myself use the restroom. And then within another couple of weeks, the problem just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I think the the worst time was 13 days without going to the bathroom. And I was so I like thought I was going to die, Jason. It was bad. Yeah. Very dangerous. Yes. And of course, I'm like such a research holic that I was Googling everything and I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) die. And I'm calling my mom in the middle of the night. So it's the daytime for her crying my eyes out. And I'm like, what do I do? I've tried everything. I was trying every single like normal thing that someone would do in that scenario. Every laxative, every like natural herb. And it just wasn't doing the trick. I'm surprised to hear how long you guys were there hearing the problems and when they started for you and the fact that you can still say that was a magical time for you and, <laughs> and you know, this positive thing. Cause it's, you know, that's a, obviously a health is everything. And that's a huge factor. So I guess coming out of that experience, well, first of all, how are you feeling right now? Are you, how are you doing? Oh, thank you. I am feeling wonderful and very, very happy to be back home where I can speak the language of the doctor so I can ask them 5 billion questions. And we've, I found a really awesome naturopathic doctor here that's doing great, great work for, for my gut. So we're doing good. Cool. Thank you. And how about, you know, mentally having to sort of give up the dream you were in the middle of pursuing, or I don't know if you were in the middle, but maybe at the beginning, you could say if you were planning on being gone for an extended time, how has that been? I feel like that's been the most difficult part about being back home because truly when we got back, since I had been so stressed about the health stuff, especially at the end of our Thailand travels, um, I was much more stressed out than I thought I was because I did really enjoy living in Chiang Mai. So it was like this weird thing of I'm very stressed out about my health, but also I love being here and I don't want to leave. So when I got back, I immediately just felt this sense of relief of like, okay, I'm going to be fine. Now I have my friends and family around me. I can go get this medical stuff taken care of in a much easier way. So I felt like ah, a weight lifted off my shoulders of I'm going to be safe. But at the same time, I was very sad to be back in the United States so quickly. And I'll just jump in here and say too, like, <laughs> just just to give you a better understanding, it wasn't Steph's idea to leave. No. Like, that's how much she wanted to stay. I mean, even, even after that scare of, you know, not using the restroom for 13 days, I was the one who came to her and I said, Steph, I'm afraid that you're going to to die. I think, I think this is serious, really serious. And things aren't getting better after three, four months of treatment in, in Chiang Mai. I was like, I think we need to go home. And I think we need to figure this out because we can't travel anymore like this. Yeah. I was hospitalized 10 times in Thailand. (laughs) Yeah. 10 times. And, um, and one thing we will say too, about, uh, the Chiang Mai health system is, um, (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people, especially like our family and friends and stuff, they were really scared when they found out about the health scare because they were like, I don't know what they were thinking about Asia and Chiang Mai, but they were thinking that like we were 
getting healthcare in huts or something. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> but the hospitals are, are they look like American hospitals. They're gorgeous. They're clean. They're super sophisticated. The and nurses are so sweet. The wonderful thing about it is even after 10 hospital visits, the total cost for us was about $1,200 after 10 hospital visits. And we were like, man, that would probably be one. I would be bankrupt if that happened in the United States. So yeah, yeah, no, that's how much the band aid costs. (laughs) Exactly. Put on after they take your blood. (laughs) No, so true. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. As far as lessons learned, I mean, this is maybe a good time to talk about some of those if you have anything to share because obviously like things can happen to anybody on the road. So... From an insurance standpoint, was there anything that you learned there? How about, you know, you mentioned not being able to communicate with the doctors. How did you actually, in the end, do that? Uh, any other sort of things that might help somebody if they run into this a similar situation in, in another country? We would love uh, some advice. Yeah, absolutely. I would say definitely get travel insurance. I am so, so grateful that we had travel insurance. Um, we used... Hey Mondo, shout out to them. Um, they were awesome. I emailed them pretty much every other day with like another, hey, you have another bill. Hey, I'm going to another hospital visit. Please take care of this. Uh, and they covered pretty much everything. I think I came like a couple of hundred dollars out of pocket total said and done, which is crazy. And I mean, the travel insurance paid for itself 10 times over. So I'm really grateful we did that. And like, if anything else happened on top of that, say we lost luggage, something got canceled, like they would have also taken care of that. So just definitely get travel insurance. It's worth it. You never know what's going to happen. 
What else? Well, and in terms of communication, like oh, if yeah. you're if you are going to be in a country for an extended period of time, the best thing is just to start learning the language months prior. Like just get down some basics and things like that. It will it will drastically help you. But when it came to really in-depth conversation with those doctors, we ended up actually using Google Translate a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And Google Translate did a really good job for us. Every once in a while we would show them a a sentence or a paragraph and they would look at us like we had two heads and we didn't really know what we just said to them. Um, but but for the most part, that really facilitated a conversation where we could actually understand some more in-depth stuff. Um, and so Google Translate saved us, not just in the hospital, but uh, outside when we got lost or something like that. We always had that handy. Um, so 100% invest as well into a phone that that's going to get you good Wi-Fi around the city. So you don't feel, you, you don't feel like, um, Lost. you're ill-equipped. Yeah. yeah. But just learn the language would be a better thing to do. I wish we knew more Thai. Um, Thai's hard. Thai's really, really hard. We tried that's a, to learn. It's a tall order. Yeah. yeah. Even we met so many Thai people that said, Hey, in school, I actually aced English and I failed Thai. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, what? <laughs> it was funny. But yeah, the, the medical system there overall was was great. Um, I think if you do run into health problems on the road, just really doing your best to like take care of yourself um, and vouch for yourself is important. There were many times where we went to the hospital where they would recommend something for me that, and I just was uncomfortable with it, and I would say no. And I think a lot of people get into situations, even in America, where doctors or health professionals are telling them they need to do something, and it doesn't feel right to them, but they're like, well, they're the professional. I always say, like, trust yourself, trust your body, and just do what you need to do to feel safe and healthy. Um yeah, and that's an yeah. that's an interesting point too because one thing that we did see that was way different between living in Asia and in America and we were trying to figure this out was the things that they would recommend Steph on the herbal side. They would recommend herbs that we would have to look up. We never knew what they were and they were at doses that by American standards were like like 50 way times way too high. And so it was fascinating to see like for example uh the herb senna is is a laxative or not a laxative yeah. yeah it's a laxative and so they would say we'll take 2000 milligrams of senna and steph being a researchaholic she was like okay she would look that up and it was it, it was, was like 50 milligrams in the u.s was like recommended daily dose don't take it for more than three days and my doctor was having me on senna plus like five other herbs that interact with each other negatively for like you know, weeks on end. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So we were like, I just wonder if they're, they're acclimated to taking these herbal supplements far more than we are. Like we were just trying to figure it out, but it was definitely, there was definitely a huge discrepancy between American standards and Asian standards. And it was hard to figure out what that happy medium was for Americans living in Asia. It was, it was, it was a pretty tough, tough bout. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. Everything that you guys just said, just kind of standing up for yourself and, and if you if you feel the need to or, yeah, just researching and, and questioning, like you said, that's general advice across the board, no matter we're not doctors, but at the same time, doctors aren't always doing necessarily the right things either uh, for that individual person. Well, I, you know, 
I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but I think everybody understand. I, I think everybody understands the sentiment, right? It's like, like you said. I mean, in that case, the standards are just different. So that's pretty powerful knowledge to have. Like, you don't necessarily want to take too much of something <laughs> if you don't have to. I mean, that's a. I don't, it's just good general advice to kind of like do your due diligence essentially on uh, on what's what's happening. Um, and the travel insurance thing, I second that. I mean, it's uh, I've never regretted having travel insurance. <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> right. I've always, I've used it so many times. You know, you mentioned your lifestyle there kind of being like semi-retirees, but you guys were also working too. Uh, I was just wondering if you could share any advice about working remotely so many time zones removed and maybe some of your work wasn't time zone dependent. Maybe some of it was. Uh, I believe I remember some of it was. So <laughs> I guess I just wanted to... Yeah, I mean, there's there are going to be l- people listening to this that are working remotely and maybe they want to go to Asia and haven't done it from there yet and they're time zone dependent. So the US or Central America or something else. And maybe there's others that are, are you know, going to be working remotely at some point in the future and wondering about that time zone discrepancy. So, yeah, that's a great question, <laughs> Jason. So when we first moved to Thailand, I had a full-time job that was fully remote, um, but it was time zone dependent on the West Coast of the United States. So <laughs> that is a 14-hour time difference from LA to Chiang Mai. <laughs> And when we first got there, so we were working on our podcast, and then I also had this job. Um, we thought, for some insane reason, that it would just be totally fine. We convinced ourselves. Yeah, for an entire year of our lives to live a nocturnal schedule. And that lasted for about two months until we realized that we were insane. <laughs> and if anyone out when you say nocturnal like you were starting your work day at midnight or something we were starting our work day yeah i think it was at midnight we would wake up at like 8 p.m i think yeah we would start work at around 11 p.m and then we would end work at like 4 a.m and go to bed at 6 a.m. Something like that. It was no, no, no. We started working at nine o'clock, nine at night. PM? We would go to bed at like four or so, and then yeah, it yeah. was crazy. All I know is that every nine to five, nine to four, great yeah, hours. That's right. Something. It was nine to four. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's exactly. right. I do remember that because I would tell people, "Oh yeah, we work nine to four, but little did they know it was nine p.m. to four a.m. Yeah. <laughs> it was. That was probably the worst mistake we made. Was just thinking that that would be okay well, with us. Okay. Okay. Let's back it up here. There was definitely some beauty in the work schedule. There was some beauty because, listen, all right, like. Right off the bat, it sounds awful, but but these are the pros of working a completely nocturnal job where I don't know about anyone else, but for me, if you're working in 9 to 5, like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., which I've done, I have always felt like my day, my sunlight is being wasted away. I'm inside. I'm on my computer. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to be outside. I want to be soaking up that vitamin D and vi- that vitality, and I can't. I'm I'm in this cubicle, right? And so with the nocturnal schedule, like I I feel like the only thing I should be doing other than sleeping is working right now. Like I'm not missing anything. Like the clubs are closed, the bars are closed, the libraries, cl- everything is closed, man. You can't do anything other than work and it's really quiet, it's really tranquil and serene. And so then we would also have 
the day to explore and hang out. And so we would get that sunlight. So it was there, there, there were some really beautiful things about it. Um, That's true. Yeah. I'm remembering it worse than it was because it did get very difficult at the end once my body was just like tired of waking up at really weird hours. But that's true. We did enjoy it at first because we got to explore during the sunny hours of the day where normally we would have to be inside working. So that's true. That mm-hmm. was one big perk of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just eventually. But ultimately it was a bit too stressful, too too wacky. I think it was just our bodies were like, this is not normal. Cause every I do remember that I would be going to sleep when the sun was rising. And that to me just felt really wrong and like if anyone out there is listening and they do that and it works for them like more power to you because there is some beautiful perks to that and I wish that my body liked it better than it did (laughs) but I just didn't I didn't do well with it you know what's really funny Jason we (laughs) it's like we had an alarm clock to go to bed because we lived right next to this uh this um temple temple and so the Buddhist gong would get hit at 5 a.m. And so that's when all the monks are waking Please up. Please tell me you got some audio of that somewhere. <laughs> like, I oh, hope yeah. so. I'll look. <laughs> yeah, they would hit it and all the monks would wake. And that would mean that it's time for us to go to bed. So yep. like it was uh, it was okay. funny. It was kind of awesome, actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's cool. Um, the OK, so then after a couple months, you kind of left that behind. I mean, it sounds like you guys have done quite a lot of pivoting in your lives and your career, like from, oh, I'm going to do this corporate thing and we're going to settle down and we're going to do this and that. And there had to be another pivot at this point, I guess, when you guys decided to leave the, the jobs and all that stuff. And now you, you can't take the remote work at the odd hours anymore and everything like that. At some point, you're you're exploring the entrepreneurial path. And I know we can talk about what you guys are doing now. Maybe share a little bit about what you kind of landed on in terms of a business. And then I want to dig into because you guys are pretty close to having just kind of realized this newish idea, let's say, and bring it to life. So I'm curious about the process of that and and any advice you can share around just kind of like figuring that all out. Yeah, that, that was an evolution for sure. Like when we were beginning our podcast, um, for us, it took a little while to figure out what the podcast was going to be about. And we finally landed on something where we went, well, what's, what's something that we talk about all the time? You know, we're never going to run out of ammo. We can get super raw and super vulnerable and also is going to be really helpful for people our age. And we just landed on uh, a podcast that talked about our relationship and we did not shy away from any details or problems or anything that we, uh, that we were experiencing. And so that was actually a lot of fun because mm-hmm. it was like couples therapy without the therapist. Like we just got to go at it and be super raw and real. And Steph would cry and we'd yell at each other and then we'd take a break and then we'd come back and people really kind of enjoyed it. I mean, maybe more than we did, but <laughs> I think so. But uh, but it was really good. And well, wait, what did you guys learn about each other through that? So through much. That? Oh man, Jason, so much. How we fight, our fighting styles uh, came out quite a bit. Um, and also like there were some mic drop moments where she would say something, I would say something and we would realize that, oh, there's no, there is no agreement at this stage in our relationship. Like we're going to have to table this because we don't have any words of wisdom. Like neither one of us are willing to, to 
to budge. To budge. And that our first episode was on jealousy. And we both have strong stances on, you know, relationships with other people. And it was like, we ended up in this episode. We were like, that's what you think? She's like, yes. I'm like, she's like, that's what you think? I was like, yes. And we're like, okay. Agree uh, to disagree. We'll, maybe we'll come back here in like six months and we'll try to figure wait, it out. Wait, again. now I need to know what it was. <laughs> what, what was it that you were thinking? I'm just much more of a jealous person. Not to stir the, not to stir <laughs> the pot like, here. All right. <laughs> 7 a.m. I can fight now. No. <laughs> Dalton is a very, um, a very flirtatious person. I flirt Naturally, with the world. yeah. And I, especially at the beginning of our relationship, I was a very jealous person and it did not go well for us at the, at the beginning. It was just a matter of boundaries. It's like, you know, what's, what is a, what's an appropriate relationship with another individual? Like, should you be texting a person of the opposite sex? Um, like what's their relationship to you? And so we just have very different boundaries in terms of like, what's appropriate. Like, can you go out to dinner one-on-one with a person of the opposite sex? Um, if you're in a committed relationship, like these were the questions that we were bringing up and talking about, and we just have a very different different opinions. I'm like, what's the point? Why? (laughs) I'm like, because you need to have experiences and relationships outside of your relationship. One person can't be everything. I do agree with that. But there are, there are rules. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he did already ask me to roll around with it. (laughs) That was five minutes into the interview. (laughs) You're telling me. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool that you guys, I mean, what a, what a pretty amazing way to bond, I guess, and learn about each other and, and fight and then talk it out. Cause I mean, when you're recording a podcast, there is sort of a, yeah, it's almost like a third party's there mediating, even though they're invisible yeah. in some ways. So true. Okay. So I didn't mean to interrupt your story, but I just kind of had to, yeah, dig in there. And- <laughs> no, no, you are all good. We did learn a lot about each other. I think I want to add one more thing to that, which is just we learned we can talk about really anything with each other, which was the coolest part of the whole experience is that now like anything in the whole entire world that either of us have on our minds, we can just bring it to the other person and talk about it openly. And we know we're going to, we're going to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was powerful. I mean, doing, doing a, a podcast with your significant other is def- definitely has its challenges, but uh, it, those challenges can definitely lead to some huge benefits as well. And, and not to mention too, like a lot of people don't think of podcasting as a business, right? But like it is, especially if you're trying to make it your business. And so it's not just about producing the, the content in an episode, but like Steph and I having to work with each other for the first time on the business side of things and looking at it as as a company or a business uh, was also another difficulty at times because we do have very different styles. So it's like thinking about it from a whole world perspective uh, is, I guess, important to figure out. Yeah, but what led us to stopping the podcast was that it was going really, really well. Um, which, <laughs> so we sound, which sounds weird, but, um, I had quit my job a few months into the Chiang Mai escapades because I realized that I didn't like the nocturnal schedule and the podcast was going really well. And I just wanted to focus on that with Dalton. So we were focusing on it and a lot of people were reaching out to us 
with awesome feedback, which was really cool. We started to build this little community of people who wanted to talk about relationships, wanted to tell us all of their relationship problems. And we were like, okay, this is cool, but what is the goal here? And both of us came to the realization that the goal was to build a podcast that was also a business because neither of us wanted to go back to having bosses full-time and we needed a way to make money, but we wanted to do that on our own terms and do something that we both really enjoyed. So we're like, what better way than to have a podcast that can also be some sort of a business? But with that being said, this relationship thing we just couldn't see ourselves doing it. We looked at like the the end goal and we're like, I can't picture myself being like a relationship coach. I, I don't want to give people relationship advice f- like for a living and charge them for it. That's not me. Which is what we were asking for. Like at the end of episodes, we'd say, hey, reach out to us, you know, with, with anything, questions, comments, et cetera. And people were doing it. And- we would have these moments where someone would reach out uh, asking us a question for some advice or something like that. And I would look at Steph and go, and you know, they're paragraphs, paragraphs long. And I'm like, do, I'm like, do you want to take this one? She's like, no, no, no. Do you? And I was like, no. And we like, kind of just realized Ooh. like, well, then what are we, what are we, if we don't even want to answer one DM on Instagram, it's like, you want to do this for the entirety of your life? I don't think so. And so when we finally realized that we had to make a pivot, and uh, and we did. We made the pivot and started incorporating interviews into the podcast. And we realized quickly that we actually enjoy interviewing people more, perhaps, than than interviewing each other, in mm-hmm. a sense. And that ultimately evolved into what it is now, which is a full-blown business. Yeah. So you want to tell everybody what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to take it away? Very well. If she wants me to do the sales pitch, Jason. Um, He's the salesman. I, I'm, I'm just here. No, no. We <laughs> we landed on something that we we just we feel really really great about. It's it's mm-hmm. cool. It's our company is called To Be Told Again, and what we do is we create audiobooks out of people's most precious memories, stories. Uh, experiences. And so oftentimes we're working with the 55 plus community, uh, not always, but good portion of the time we'll go and we'll interview them either in person or virtually. And uh, we basically gather their full life story and craft that into an audiobook. We narrate portions of it. Um, and it's just a really cool final product for their family to remember them for like generations to come. Mm-hmm. Um so it is, it's, it's been cool. And we actually learned that we wanted to do that from podcasting. So just circling it way back to the very beginning, like if you don't lean in 100% into something, you never know if you're going to like it or where it's going to go. And podcasting for six, seven, eight months was not a waste of time by any means. Mm-hmm. It, it ultimately transformed into something that we're super passionate about. Yeah. I think that's a really great reminder because I think that's one of the fears of getting started with something is, well, of course there's the money thing, but also, you know, if there's a big investment, I mean, with podcasting, there isn't a big investment, but it's the, is this what I want to invest my time in? And this idea that you just kind of set forth this idea that, you know, well, this wasn't a waste of time just because we didn't end up becoming relationship coaches or whatever, because that experience led you 
to your ultimate idea. And sometimes, you know, on the surface, it might be easy to say, if you're listening to say, well, um, you should have known where this was going to go all along. Like, if you know you didn't want to do that, why'd you do it in the first place? But that's not really how it works for everybody, right? Like, I know I ha- I've had to start numerous things to then understand either I didn't want to do it or I wanted to do it, but in a different way. You know, it's a good question to ask yourself, like, in the beginning, no doubt. But sometimes you have to learn that lesson the, the hard way, right? And And kind of learn it through just the experience. But understanding where things might go and having... um having some idea and then really considering if is that where I want to be. But ultimately, you don't know where things are going to go, at least parts of it. So, I mean, that experience led you guys to something you feel really good about. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, I, I think it's so important to continuously check in with yourself and check in with your goals and kind of see like, what am I what am I going for right now? Is that where I want to be headed? And if not, how can I use everything that I'm doing now and use these skills I have and pivot it into a place that does feel right to me? And I'm I'm really proud of us for doing that and finding something that we both love. It's important to other people that we're working with and it just feels really good. And I fully believe that everything happens for a reason even the health stuff, like everything, because honestly, I don't think we would be able to have the business we have right now if we were still in Thailand, because we would, again, have to be working on some sort of um, American time zone in Thailand, which we both didn't really enjoy. So being back in the United States because of my health stuff um, helped us, you know, create our business and move it forward to a place that we feel really good about. Yeah. And if you're going to do something, whether it's as drastic as moving to a different country, I actually don't even want to call that drastic. I think, I think everyone should do it, but, um, you know, moving to a different country or starting a business or a podcast or something, something that's really daunting and maybe a little intimidating to you. My biggest piece of advice would also just be like, maintain a super positive mindset and just have a growth mindset around Nothing that you do is the wrong move. It's not a failure. Even if it turns out to be not what you thought it was going to be, or you have to pivot, or it just didn't make any money, or whatever it is, everything that you're doing is accruing experience that's eventually going to evolve into what you're meant to do. So it's like, just because our, you know, we spent six months in Thailand, it was supposed to be a couple of years, like, we learned so much from that experience and now I have it. And, and not only that, we know that we can go through a health crisis together in an entirely different country and maintain a healthy relationship. What? (laughs) That's incredible. I should marry this girl. Oh wait, I did propose in Thailand. Shout out to Doyen Thanon. She said, yes, let's go. (laughs) I'm not a failure. Woo. My God. Um, (laughs) Congratulations. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Yeah. Check out that. Um, Don't blind. Um, but yeah, that's anyway, that's, I think really, really important, um, when you're just doing things like this and you're, and you are going to lean in 100% to stuff, have a growth mindset, know that what you're doing is right. Even if it, even if it doesn't turn out the way you, you want it to. Love that advice. The advice around relationships, since you guys spent so much time, not just together, going through all of the things that we talked about today, which was a lot with the health scare and, and you know the moving and selling everything and all the stuff. But then the other level of spending so many hours talking about your relationship on the podcast and everything like that, there's a lot of 
relationship stuff. Uh, and so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you guys for relationship advice for travelers, people relocating, people moving abroad, going into a situation where maybe you're, you know, the first 10 days you're going to be sick in a 250 square foot box with a torrential downpour outside. You know, these are the kind of things that are going to happen when you get on the road together. And I'm just wondering, I guess, the the ultimate question, what would it be? How to travel as a couple without breaking up, maybe? <laughs> That's a fantastic question. Yeah. My The first thing that came to mind was just remembering that you are each other's teammate and you're on the same team. I think a lot of relationship fights happen when you start viewing yourself as an individual versus the other individual. And we really try hard when we come to a place of, you know, any sort of argument or disagreement, we try to step back and remember that it's us together against the issue, not us against each other. And that has helped so much through like any single, any problem we've been through, just remembering that we're each other's teammate. Wow. But oh. sometimes it's you against the other one. <laughs> sometimes it is. Sometimes you're looking for that fight, you know? Sometimes it is. No, but I mean, but you're right, because in those times, if you use that mindset, you could really help to get back on sort of the same team. And it's it's you can forget it sometimes in the heat of the moment. Like, wait a minute, we're we're supposed to be working together here. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, that was that was really good stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Um my, <laughs> mine won't be as eloquent because it's the most it's the most basic thing, but I also think it's the most difficult thing. And it's true. You you just have to be our, the whole point of our podcast was to be so genuinely raw and honest, regardless of what you're feeling. I mean, on the podcast, we talked about all sorts of stuff from from the time that I kept having dreams about my ex-girlfriend and I had to bring it up to, to Steffi at the dinner table um, to yeah. ask her if I could FaceTime her to, to try and squash this this issue or, you know, whatever. It's like if you're experiencing something that's causing you uh, stress and it's impacting your relationship, the worst thing that you can do is just keep it to yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, what we realized was, number one, not only could we could we conquer any problem together so long as we both knew about it, but the coolest thing that came out of it was you could I could go to Steph with any issue at all, no matter how hard it was. And so long as I was honest, like, well, she knew that I would come to her and tell her about it. And so we're never in this place of mystery. It's like, mm-hmm. if you're struggling, I know. And, and, and regardless of what it is, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. So I think you just have to be really, really honest with your person, even if it's really embarrassing, uh, either to yourself or, or to them. Yeah. And I mean, this hell stuff, as you guys can imagine, was, was not cute. Um, it was pretty embarrassing <laughs> and Dalton yeah. was there for me through every single part of it. From like the mental breakdowns, crying on the bathroom floor to being in the hospital, like so, so scared. And he was just my teammate and he was there talking me through it. Light, um, lighting those incense yep. in, the, in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure I felt safe and as comfortable as I possibly could during that time. So, yeah, I think just, I think overall, it's just being honest, remembering you're each other's teammate and remembering that the goal is to continue forward 
happily together. It's not to win something. We're both very competitive. So that teammate mentality is very helpful for us. And I would say, I just have to say this too, as like a last thing, if you're traveling with your partner, first of all, we were traveling with each other. We were podcasting with each other. We were exploring together. We were eating together. Like we were doing everything Everything. together. And so it's really important to also remember that you are an individual and you, you, you might want those individual experiences as well. So to be honest with your partner and say like, Hey, maybe, maybe we should take one day every week to like go and do our own thing and have these solo experiences. Um, You know, to have the confidence to say that to your partner, I think is really cool. And it's very important um, because otherwise you're, you're going to always be experiencing these things through a very specific lens. Like whenever I'm out at a market with, with Steph, I'm focusing on Steph. I'm talking to Steph. I'm experiencing this with Steph. And there was one time where I was completely by myself in a market And it was a vastly different experience. So just to remember that having those two different experiences are really important and and you're going to want them if you're going to be doing this thing. Yeah, I love that. That was my next question, actually. So did you guys have a rule like that where you spent one day a week on your own? We started implementing that probably halfway through the journey because it took us like hitting that wall of we've spent way too much time together <laughs> and we need a break for us to go, hmm, we spend too much time together. We should start creating some boundaries around that. So we didn't have any specific rule like one day a week, but anytime either of us were feeling like we really wanted to do something and the other person didn't want to do it, instead of just compromising and be like, okay, let's go to the market, I would just go by myself. Or I'd be like, hey, do I'm going to go to this yoga class. I want to go by myself and I'm going to get dinner by myself afterwards. Um, can you come pick me up at the end? <laughs> I was going to say, I, I still had to drive her to the place, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I walked a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we have a similar driving around dynamic here in this family. So I totally get that. You know, it's nice to have that freedom too. I think like you guys said, just having the conversation and being honest with that and that way, you know, if you say something like that, Steph, like I'm sure Dalton wouldn't get offended because he understands that you guys have already talked about that. Like you want to have your independent travel experiences. And so that's cool. If you want to have that now, it's not like, well, you don't want me to come. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Are you tired of me? You know, yeah. you can get defensive, but it's really cool. Well, congratulations. I'm glad everybody's healthy and doing well. And I don't know what's in the future for you guys travel wise. Are you now you just going to hang and work on to be told again, your business, which we'll link up to in the show notes and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, what's the next for you guys? Thank well, you. well, and we appreciate that, Jason. We're we're working on actually getting TBTA to a place where we can travel again. So right now we understand that like we're here, we're in Arizona and we're grinding, we're doing the thing. Um and once we get it to a place where it's a little bit more streamlined and we've built the relationships with all the assisted living homes we're currently talking to, mm-hmm. we'll be in a place where maybe it's a little bit more um what's the word? I don't know, fluid. It's kind of, it's stable. It's kind of working on its own. And then we can go do another excursion. But Um, that could be a couple of years. So we've both sat down and talked about this. Um, Dalton's been really good at checking in with me because he knows that travel is really important to me. And I get antsy when we don't travel, you know, once a year. So we've talked about it and we're probably going to do some holiday travel at the end of this year. But our goal right now is really just to build this thing so that long term we can travel again at more of our leisure yeah 
We want to go to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, the country of Georgia. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. You're not flying to Atlanta next week. <laughs> I guess since you had to kind of be convinced, Dalton, how what's your relationship to travel now? Okay. I'm going to tell you just a, just a quick story. Oh, boy. <laughs> My relationship with travel is different now because um, when I first moved to New York City, from Connecticut. That was my first big move. I moved there with just a suitcase with a pillow, a couple of, of couple of clothes, like the true, like art artist thing. Right. And what I loved about New York was that it was like an alien world to me. I, I felt like everything I did was brand new. I felt like a baby walking around like, Oh, what's that? What's <laughs> that? What's that? I had to learn the New York city subway. It was terrifying. I was asking people where to get from point A to point B. I looked like an idiot. I felt embarrassed. It was awesome. Okay. And after I did that experience, you know, I was there for about five or six years after I did that and I moved to Boston and then I moved to Phoenix and I checked out Houston and all of these different places, everything was kind of like, yeah, I've done this. You know, it, it does have a different energetic feel, but like it's all an American city. You know, all the products in the supermarket are the same. Everyone's speaking English. Like I've got this. There was no sense of, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a little scared. And I guess since New York City, I've been looking for that. I, I didn't really know I was looking for that, but I was. I, I found it, I found myself a little bored. Like even moving from New York City to Arizona, everyone was like, oh my God, that's a big move. And I'm like, is it? I think it's just kind of the same thing, whether it's Phoenix or Boston, it's the same thing. Who cares? I had no anxiety at all about moving across the country. And I shared these feelings with Steph. And she was like, well, if you want to move to an alien world... <laughs> <laughs> it was just more ammo for me. Then we yeah, should move right. to a place that doesn't speak the language and, and eats completely different food and the environment, something you've never seen before. And I was like, yes, yes. She brings up a lot of good points. See? She's a smart you got, you got girl. Thank you. you know, I did what Absolutely. I had to do. And at the end of it yes. all, I got to say that, that when I moved to Chiang Mai, it was like reliving New York City. Was, she was right. She was right. She was totally Woo! right. I was like, oh Can my I God. get that in writing? <laughs> Never forget. You know, I've got a T-shirt. That I, the whole point of this was to get him to admit that. So, <laughs> so you're you're all good now. This is a successful we podcast. Can... <laughs> it's true. It's true. She was right. I admit it. Yes. Um, and so now, we're just going to record that on a loop and send it to you. So you can just hit a button anytime. She was right. She was right. She was right. She was right. Makes me wear headphones of that as I'm trying to go to sleep. Um, and so now I just kind of go, okay, cool. Well, how can I, how can I replicate that experience now? It's like, um, and the only way I really know how is, is to do something like that. So, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Norway or, uh, or wherever, my, my, my experience has changed pretty drastically. My outlook on it has changed. Hmm. Very cool. Would you like to leave us with a, your favorite Shakespearean quote? And, and Steph, if you got a favorite quote, I'll, I'll let you guys each leave, leave us with one. Ooh. I'm a fan of quotes. Think about that. <laughs> Steph's favorite quote is similar to her grandma's. It's life begins at the end of your comfort zone. That's true. That's my grandma's favorite quote, but I'll steal it from her because it's a great one. <laughs> For me, I don't have I don't have a quote, but I'm going to leave you all with a poem. And this poem was written before COVID. I don't want people thinking this is a COVID. Don't a say COVID. this one. This is a good one. Here we oh go. Oh my God. Everyone plug your ears. Kisses blown or kisses wasted. Kisses are not kisses unless they are tasted. But kisses spread germs and germs are hated. So kiss me, baby. I'm vaccinated.
Jason, please cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) You should see Steph just like shaking her head. Oh, no. Um, All right. Well, we'll leave you with that. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's directly from Shakespeare. Uh, It sounds like. uh... (laughs) I have no words. Anyway. (laughs) No, thanks, guys. I, I I appreciate your time and what you've done before. Obviously, with your own work is is just sharing transparently about your relationship, and that's what you've done here today. That's all we can ask is just share your honest story. And I think there were a lot of like sort of lessons learned that we were able to pull out of it. And it's just a pleasure to know you guys. I'm wishing you guys all the best with your with your new business. And yeah, look forward to staying in touch and kind of seeing where things go. And hopefully we'll meet up and do it again in person again. I would love that. Thank (laughs) you so much, Jason. We appreciate you. Yeah. I look forward to wrestling you, buddy. (laughs) Thanks guys. Take care. (laughs) Thank you. There you have it. I want to thank Stefan Dalt for being community members here in the zero to travel community and for reaching out and agreeing to just come on and bear all when it came to their journey of travel. I love when people just are willing to share openly and honestly. And, you know, the struggles, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, it's not meant to discourage anybody. It's just meant to paint the picture of some of the ideas, issues, things to consider. For example, traveling with a time zone dependent job far away from the time zone you work in. Not an easy thing to do, as you heard. Might make you reconsider, not if you're going to do it, because if you're listening, you probably want to do it, but where you go. Maybe Thailand isn't the place. Maybe it's Mexico, because that is the same time zone as your job. These are the types of things to think about, and it all comes back to the lifestyle you want to leave, lead, excuse me, in the daily life that you're living wherever you go, if you're working and traveling. And certainly have to weigh all the pros and cons around that. Okay, I'll leave you with a quote from Douglas Pagels, who said, each new day is a blank page in the diary of your life. The secret of success is in turning that diary into the best story you possibly can. <laughs> and this is part of my diary entry today, getting the privilege, the honor to record this show for you. It's been so fun. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of this listening community. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter, zerototravel.com slash newsletter. It's free. Keep in touch over there. I'll let you go now. Thanks for listening to the show. And I'll see you next time. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by zerototravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.